Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Ravel. Well, Dennis, it's great to have uh, Inside Speedway back on the room. Once again, with an interesting show, Luke Dillon, who we spoke to last week, and also Jason Crump, who I spoke to in 2016. And with the news that he's going to be racing in England again, I think it's very interesting to uh, reflect on what he was saying at the time in 2016 when he received entry into the Hall of Fame, the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame. Jason Crump um, certainly will go down in history. If you just look purely at the records of the World Speedway Championship as Australia's most successful speedway rider, three uh, three, uh, world titles, 2004, 2006, 2009, and um, his legacy in Australian Speedway speaks for itself. He is an Australian champion and um, under-21 champion. In 1992, he ventured over to England for the first time, rode for the Peterborough Panthers. And uh, Craig, we could go for hours, but let's just say the rest is history. Mm. <laughs> Let Jason explain it all. Yes, indeed. He was uh, a remarkable rider and the news this year that he was heading back to England is, uh, well, is interesting to say the least. And he was actually yes, going to it. be potentially riding against Nicky Pedersen because Nicky Pedersen had yep. signed up to ride in England as well. Yep, with his old foe uh, from Denmark, <laughs> Nicky Pedersen, also triple world champion um, and... Um, uh, of course, Jason Crump riding for Ipswich and uh, Nicky Pedersen with the Sheffield Tigers. Um, so uh, t- two old foes coming together. But um, uh, we're still waiting for the start of the British season, which I believe will be around about August. Now, while on the bike scene, and we're talking about um, when these league matches will start, Uh, The current Australian champion, Max Frick, who we have had on our show, um, will be riding in the Polish League commencing on the 12th of June. Now, he rides. uh, He's got a very busy schedule. In actual fact, I've uh, written a a, a column in Nick Sunday's Sunday Telegraph newspaper here in Sydney on Max Frick, who will be... um, um, as I said, resuming riding uh, with the league. Um, he's had to take a pay cut like any anyone in any sport. You're, they're going to be doing the league in front of empty stadiums, behind closed doors, pay cut, you name it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but for Max, it's very important because he's also got commitments in, in, uh, in Sweden and also Denmark as well as making his debut in the Speedway Grand Prix as a full-time rider this year, one of two Australians. Of course, the other is the 2017 world champion, Jason Doyle. So so there's plenty um, plenty happening in, in the world of uh, bike racing at the moment, and um, particularly uh, with uh, the news that we have Jason Crump on the show, uh, he's always 
always good to listen to and and a man with not only great experience but he he speaks very well and and his retirement years he's he's developed into a media commentator as well Jason Crump coming after Luke Dillon here on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is available on sportsradio.com.au, iTunes, Spotify, and the dirttrackchannel.com. Well, we're joined by the South Australian Sprint Car Champion, Luke Dillon. Luke, uh, thanks for joining us here on Inside Speedway. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, funny sort of year. It gets cut short, but you'll take the trophy anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was all right. Our, our year was winding up anyway. All we had left was the Easter trial, which we sort of make a decision on that week, depending on the weather and stuff. Um, so, yeah, we mostly got it in. It wasn't, didn't affect us too much, or well, not racing-wise anyway. And your season, obviously when you're winning the, uh, the Drivers' Award for the year, it must have gone all right. Were you happy with the way everything panned out? Yeah, I was pretty happy. You know, we we ran well all year. We um, had a couple of feature wins and, um, you know, won the, the first night of Speed Week at World Series, which which is pretty cool. Hard race to win. Um, had a trip over the West and I know I had a fifth place and a uh, something not that good. I don't think. But, um, so yeah, it it all went. Pretty good. It's been a great season for you, Luke. I mean, uh, the 2019-20 season Spring Car South Australian Season Points Champion. Um, I mean, um, where do you rate this particular season? You've pretty well dominated everything. Where does it rate in your pecking order? Because a little bit later on, I want to talk to you about your Formula 500 career and the three national titles, the hat trick. So where does this season rate with it all? Well, it's sort of a funny question, you know, because we... You know, the, the seasons that you travelled the uh, country and did the World Series are a lot more memorable. Um, this one was very successful, though we only did about 16 or 17 races. So, um, you know, pretty happy. We, we did really well. We just didn't commit to the the 40 races a year like we've done in the past. So, um, but, you know, we've come, come away pretty satisfied. So I would say it's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's what I was referring to. Like, it, it has been a different season, quite obviously, you know. Um, Luke, you, you did really well very early in your career. And, of course, I um, hark back to 1999, the year uh, 2000 and 2001, three consecutive Australian Formula 500 championships. Uh, that's that's yep. no mean feat. That places you right up there as one of the most successful Formula 500 drivers of all time. So after you yeah. won that, was it always then your plan to go into, was that a stepping stone into sprint car racing? But it turned out a very successful stepping stone, I might add. Yeah, well, I always wanted to race sprint cars as a, as a kid, but, you know, most kids that race go-karts and stuff, well, do it anyway, they, they want to. So, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have the backing for my family and everything to get into get into it. Um, I was going to race midgets, you know, when I was 16, I raced a midget, but the, um, the you know, the section was failing. There was three local cars and, you know, we weren't really in a position to travel and race around the country at that stage. Um, and that's how the Formula 500's come about. And then, um, so I was lucky enough to drive a midget a few seasons later because my uncle, he bought one and I drove that for a few years, so did a bit of that. And then, um, Really, just concentrated on the sprint cars and 
you know, that's sort of what I've been interested in racing ever since. Well, of course, you're also the Australian 360 Sprint Car Champion as well, and uh, you, you took out uh, a AHG Sprint Car Series, um, pretty well dominated, um, Luke. Now, when you got into the sport, you mentioned just a brief minute ago about family and all that. Um, what yeah. advice uh, did your dad give you when you entered into Speedway and and obviously, it was starting to emerge that you were, you were having a pretty good run. So what, what kind of words uh, did he give you as you progressed in your career? Um, well, there was a lot of things he, he knew which he could, he could tell me. Um, you know, how, you know, just basic stuff like apexes and, and how to pass and what to do and, you know, how not to lose your momentum, stuff like that. You know, and all that sort of evolved as, you know, he hasn't raced for 20 years or so, so... You know, most of his advice is from watching now, not from from racing. Um, when we went in the sprint cars, we'd, we'd, uh, he'd never raced a sprint car or had anything to do with one either. So that was sort of a bit of a learning curve for all of us. Um, you know, the thing I felt hard, uh, found the hardest with the sprint car, which everyone would, was, you know, going from underpowered cars to overpowered cars. You've got to learn to work the throttle and keep wheels under you and stuff like that. The spring car ranks in South Australia. Where are they standing? We spoke to Matt Eagle a bit earlier in the year, and it looks like South Australia has really got a, a strong and vibrant sprint car uh, community at the moment. Yeah, it's always good. The local races are tough. You know, when, when the World Series comes to town and you see the local drivers that you're racing against every week running up the top on their home track, you know, it's quite pleasing to know where we're at. Um, you know, racing against so Matt Eagle every week, you know, he's hard. He's a national class driver. You know, he'd be a world class driver. If, you know, if those sort of opportunities um, presented ourselves, themselves. Um, you know, also with our local racing, you have Robbie Farr racing every week, and you know others like that. So the local racing was, you know, super tough. The other interesting thing is, um, from memory, one of the tracks round your way has shut down now. So you've sort of lost one of the tracks for the Speedway community in South Australia. Yeah, that that's, um, you know, that's really bad, really. You know, it's a, a Speedway track half an hour out of the city. So um, to lose that and, you know, we don't really see any any good news in the future as far as that track goes. So, you know, to lose Speedway City is, you know, it's pretty devastating, really, you know, to have a track. You know, it was um, state-of-the-art track in the 80s when it was built and, you know, good-sized track and good bits and everything. And, um, you know, and then a lot of the, the fans that you'd meet at, uh, the, at Speedway City, they're only sort of Adelaide race fans. They never travelled to Murray Bridge or travelled across the border and went to Bonneville or anything. They only know Speedway as Speedway City. So to lose that's pretty pretty bad for our sport, that's for sure. And with no other circuit in sight in that area? Well, that, yeah, that one's still there. It's just, you know, it'll be degrading by the day. And in these times, someone rushing out and buying it and running speedways sort of doesn't look that promising. And was there another one down by Bordertown, another track down there, or was that not a sprint car track? That was a, a club track. Yeah, the, the Bordertown Speedway, we race sprint cars. It was really small, so very busy sort of track, but... Um, you know, no reason we could race on it, but, you know, that's a club run track and, 
you know, in a small country town, I was talking to Dylan Jenkins and John Jenkins about, um, you know, what goes on. They say you put a race on and plan it for years and then someone has a 21st birthday or something and suddenly no one's there. So, you know, I was talking to Dylan about all the tough things about running a country track and as a, as a club. And I think the Jenkins family just sort of had enough of running it and I think that was the basic driving force behind Watertown Speedway. Luke, um, you did uh, over the years with World Series Sprint Cars. If I remember rightly, uh, a, a, a few years ago now, uh, the round at the uh, Castrol Edge Lismore Speedway. Now, as you know, that's a pretty tight bullring and a pretty difficult circuit to drive, yep. particularly for a 410 V8 Sprint Car around there. And if I remember yep. rightly, you won that round and, and won it in slashing uh, fashion. I mean, that was a great drive. I was there that night. Um, a, a tremendous effort. Yeah, that was, I remember that. It was, you know, it was a good time. We'd just been up to Queensland racing. And, um, you know, the, the smaller tracks, I've always, you know, earlier in my career, I liked the bigger tracks because I was used to try to sort of keeping Formula 500s and little stuff straight. But, um, you know, as time goes on, the smaller tracks I seem to like better. Uh, and that one, that was pretty cool because no one had any uh, any knowledge. You know, World Series hadn't been there for ten years, so we were just straight off the bat. And the um, with the Diamond Bay team that year, you know, we were, we were always quick. You know, every track we went to straight away. So having a track where no one had any local local knowledge really helped us out. I reckon that night, you know, especially up in up after being at Brisbane and. You know, the local racing at Brisbane's very specialised and, you know, having a hard time up there, which, well, we didn't have that hard a time. We just didn't, didn't win or anything. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. You're, you're on the national circuit. So is there one particular track that is your favourite? Um, well, it depends. Like, um, not really. Like, Murray Bridge I like because, you know, I've done so many laps there. And, um, you know, I always enjoy going there. You don't have to learn anything or, you know, you know what's happening. So that takes the pressure off. Um, I enjoy Mount Gambia, but, you know, there's a few guys at Mount Gambia who are absolute rockets. So it's pretty hard to win there. Like, you know, Steve Lyons seems to step up an extra gear when we go there and a few others. Um, you know, I don't also like racing. Now that I don't travel as much, it's the same thing. It's pretty tough, you know, to rock up there twice a year and, well, so um, so the answer to your question is probably Murray Bridge. I like that the best. Yeah, just just harking back to the 2019-20 uh, season, um, not only did you take out the Scotia Race Fuel State uh, points for events yep. at all South Australian tracks, which is pretty good in its own right, you also took out the State uh, Country Tri Series, um, Luke. So, man, that's a that's a massive season. Yeah, yeah. So that that went quite well. That was um, that was pretty lucky because the, the first round got cancelled, which I I couldn't go to, uh, not cancelled, rescheduled, um, which we can go to because of work commitments and this and that. So that um, luckily for us, that got rescheduled to late in the year and uh, doubled as our state title. We ran well. We ran second in that. Um, the, I was a bit bummed out of that race. You know, I qualified pole and ran the bottom and thought that. Uh, Thought that I had it had it sussed, and Lockie McHugh got on the top and got his momentum up and flew past me and won. So, so that was well. It was you know it was still a good night, but just a bit, bit bitter on the way home, I guess. 
you've got the uh, the kids there now. Are they showing an interest in wanting to get involved in some sort of motorsport? Yeah, my, my daughter's race go-karts. Unfortunately, they can't do anything at the moment. Um, my youngest daughter, she's sort of more interested than my oldest daughter. But they, um, you know, it's just a good day with the family and sometimes I race or Candice races as well. So they do a little bit of it. Um, I don't think they'll be that interested in racing sprint cars at the moment. But, well, you can't tell they're only young, so we might see. Yeah, you never know where it might lead. Yeah. Well, Luke, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Congratulations. Yes. And what's 2021 looking like for you? Well, uh, you know, like everyone, we'll wait and see. You know, not, not much preparation has been getting done on the car. We're only going to do a limited season with with the uh, the coronavirus. Um, if that's still around, we'll, we'll see. And if, uh, if it turns out it can be a big season, we'll probably gear up late late in the year and do that. So it's just wait and see. But like uh, you know, we're keen to race. If if it was all going normally, I'd say we'd be racing local. We'd do the tri series again. Uh, we'd do the speed week, the the classic week. And, um, you know, like every year, we just see how the weather is and do the Easter trail. If it looks like it'll be fun. Well, thanks for your time today, Luke. And we look forward to seeing how you roll out in 2021. Thank you. Thanks very much. Our next interview was taken in 2016 when I was at the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame Awards. Jason Crump, who's in the news as heading back to England to start racing again, was inducted into the Motorsport Hall of Fame and I had a chance to catch up with him. It's interesting reflecting back now the four years since his induction on what his mood towards racing was like and how it is now. Well, Jason Crump, amazing speedway career that you've enjoyed and I guess... What was it like when you're walking onto the stage to receive a Hall of Fame honour that didn't just cover speedway, it's covered drag racing and all sorts of motor, other motorsport? Uh, I'm, I'm really proud to be here. Um, you know, speedway solo racing in Australia is not probably a sport that's, uh, that's recognised very much these days. Um, back in the you know just after the war and you know 50s and 60s that sort of era speedway was a huge sport here um fortunately for me it's still a big sport in certain parts of europe obviously i had to travel a lot to to um, pursue my career but um to be recognized with you know as i said people that i grew up reading about um not just from speedway but from all sorts of racing touring cars you know our our pioneers alan jones sir jack brabham um absolute honour to be uh, you know, spoken about in the same breath as those guys. You had some amazing years racing, not only at the, at the world level, but also in the World Cups and, and part of those Australian teams where not a lot of motor racing drivers, motorcycle riders get to ride as a team and ride as Team Australia. Yeah, that's right. I mean, to be able to, you know, to be able to go and race in you know, certain parts of of former Eastern Europe, you know, places like Poland and that, where there's four or five guys from Australia racing over there, taking on the best that those, you know, big speedway countries like Poland and Denmark and Sweden have is is something special. And, you know, 
man for man, we never ever had the best speedway team in the world. Uh, we had we had a, always had a couple of good riders, but man for man, we were never the best. But when we all got together and we all got our acts together in at certain times, we were the bloody hardest team to beat in the world. And you know that's that came down to having a go. You know, as as Mark said, you know you you're an Aussie and you've got to get in and have a go and. That was the attitude we had in that event. And um, to be honest, it's the attitude I had in my whole career was, you know, get in and have a go. Who was the toughest competitor on that track? I think I had, I think I was kind of um, around at a time when there was a couple of good guys, you know. I mean, obviously, Ricardson, Tony Ricardson was a was a bloody hard, hard bloke to beat. But um took me a few years to work out how to do it but I can honestly say that you know I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way he was he set the benchmark in speedway at a time when it had, had been in a bit of a lull and um, the rivalry I guess that Tony and I had um, you know to win the world championship for, for probably a six or seven year period was pretty unbelievable and um, would have liked to have won a few more but um, I did win a couple in that in that time and um, he certainly knew that he was going to have a fight for the championship with me around and I certainly knew that I was going to have a fight for the championship with him around. And what's life for Jason Crump? How do you exercise the demons that build up for that need for, you know, need for adrenaline and that rush? Um, almost left me when I decided I didn't want to race anymore. Um, it was like a switch? Almost, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know, I went to Europe. I was racing in Europe when I was 16. Um, I raced there for 21 years. Um, saying that I was racing in three meetings a week, that was a quiet week. Um, I was racing in sometimes five or six meetings a week in four or five different countries. So very easy to be burned out after 21 years. And I was fully burned out and certainly didn't need to race anymore. But these days, you know, I live on, live on the Gold Coast. I've got a great wife and, and kids that aren't so young. You know, we've got a 16 and nearly 13-year-old. So... We don't have little kids and, um, you know, we, we enjoy our life. I still ride a motorcycle, you know, almost every week. Um, I still enjoy the thrill of getting on a motorcycle, but um, don't need to put my nuts on the line and race anymore. One of my great memories was I went to Rocklaw in uh -huh. Poland yeah. and when you said you were an Australian in Rocklaw, it was like, you know, Jason Crump. Yeah. You what year was that? 2006 I think yeah okay well I was in Wrocław I was racing for the team there Sparta and uh, fantastic town um, you know one of the biggest cities in Poland um, speedway mad absolutely speedway mad and uh, I loved it there they were they were great times racing for Sparta there and your picture in the speedway pub is probably still there probably is um, and I'm really proud of that they they didn't like me for a start, but um, I won the won the fans over there, which was a really nice thing. And uh, yeah, when I retired, when I actually retired and stepped away from Speedway, as much as um, the Polish didn't like me so much, um, some of the nicest letters and and things, mementos in my career came from supporters from Poland. So that was really nice. Well, Jason, congratulations! It was a fantastic honour. Thank you. Well, interesting there, Jason Crump saying he had no desire to go racing again in 2016, Dennis, and now probably because his son was about to start road racing from memory. It was road racing over in the UK. 
he decided that he yeah. had come out of retirement. So there's more to the story than just the straight up he wanted to race again. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's exactly right. And as I said earlier too, you know, um, um, Jason's always an interesting person to talk to. I, I must say one thing about Jason Crump. When he was riding, he was not the easiest person to interview when he was at the international peak of his career. And and, and I can even remember in 1995 at the Gosford Speedway here in New South Wales when he, when he won the 1995 Australian Solo Championship. Um, after the meeting, I, I wanted to uh, do a couple of uh, – stories and I needed to definitely get some quotes and 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 I wouldn't say he was standoffish but but he was hardly um forthcoming and he had just won the Australian title. I'm glad he didn't run last. <laughs> um but look he he later years I'm very very pleased to say he was he was easy to approach and 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 look, he was he was good and, and had some good times with Jason and um, good fella. He really is. Mm. Now, rounding out this week's show, World of Outlaws have been on track now for a few weeks and what a finish. What a finish to the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series whilst they were running last weekend at Lake Ozark Speedway. Logan Stewart took the win on I think it was Friday night, and then Donnie Schott did a last lap pass on Kyle Larson on Saturday night to round out the weekend and take the second win in the World of Outlaws. Uh, Craig, um, the answer to that is uh, the World of Outlaws, uh, the premier series in the US and, and the world for that matter, never fails to deliver. And what you've just explained to the listeners, I guess I can just sum it up by saying is typical world of outlaws. Um, and again, this year, we're going to see a very interesting battle for the points championship. I mean, you can't go past Donnie Shots, the man who's been there, done that, and continues to produce these winning performances. Uh, whether he will ever get to the mark of Steve Kinzer is debatable with uh, 20 outlaw championships, but he's, he's, he's grafting away, if you can say it that way, <laughs> and he's reaching the half, he's well, he's reaching, got the halfway mark. So, you know, like who, who knows? Um, uh, this this uh, world of outlaws, as I just said, it produces great races, great finishes, great competition, and, and again, we're seeing it uh, again this year. It, it, it's fabulous racing. Mm. And Logan Stewart leads the championship. He's got a 12-point advantage over Brad Sweet and 28 points back to Donny Schatz in third. So uh, the World yep. of Outlaws continues on this weekend. I'm, I think they go to Beaver Dam. So Beaver Dam Raceway mm. for Friday, Saturday night. Yeah, fabulous, fabulous stuff. And uh, as I say, it just keeps on keeping on. And, and again, the crowds, although this, the, you know, we, we haven't had crowds <laughs> with uh, the coronavirus situation, but we know that when in past years and up until this virus hit, you know, the crowds are some of the venues, just fabulous. Absolutely. The most popular series and far and above, above best series and i'm not putting down the other series like the all-stars they're they're all great series events in their own right but the world of outlaws is really something special 
Yep, it is indeed. Dennis, always a pleasure to catch up with you here on Inside Speedway. Next week, we start a two-part special, and I know you're really keen to share the story of a good mate of yours. Yes, uh, we're talking about um, Tony Loxley, um, who uh, is is certainly one of the, the best photographers the sport has ever produced, but he's also, as we know, he's um, been involved as a previous uh, work as an editor of Speedway Racing News. He's into the book uh, publishing business and he's produced some very, very, very lavish and beautifully uh, produced uh, books. He's he's going to tell us a lot about his um, future projects, uh, the current projects in in what he's doing with books, and um, uh, he has some very fascinating things to say about the sport, the current era, when he got started, how it's changed for better or for worse, whatever it is. It'll be a very enlightening interview. That's all I can say about it. Uh, and, and I urge the listeners to to the next two weeks listen to this because there's some, some pretty compelling comments that he makes from an insider's viewpoint, I might add. Yep. And um, just how, when he got started, what his experiences were and w- the good and the bad, where, where he's at today. Dennis, a pleasure to catch up with you here on Inside Speedway. Yeah, always, Craig. Thanks very much. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.